centuries, mankind has been fascinated with realms outside of our conscious awareness. Through a series of interviews with practitioners, guest speakers, and experts, Liberate the podcast covers all that and more, from health and holistic healing to the supernatural. We aim to educate, motivate, inspire, and liberate your consciousness. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Liberate the Podcast. Uh, Today, really special guest, and I know that I say that every week we have a special guest on, but today in particular, Liberate Emporium, the store, probably wouldn't be here without the help and support of this magical being that entered in and was really uh, a part of getting us up off the ground, really teaching and mentoring me a lot, and so I look at her as one of my teachers, and so we have on Carissa, and she's going to talk about the Divine Feminine today, and and, you know, we're going to see where it goes. Thanks, Christina. That's so nice. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I mean, Chris has been, you know, studying spirituality and things for many lifetimes, I would say, but especially like throughout her whole entire lifetime here and uh, just has a lot of wisdom, like dives in deep. You know, there's sometimes people that just kind of scratch the surface and uh, find one channel here or one channel there, and they really go down that path. But I feel that you've kind of... uh, dive down all the paths you know if it was like somebody that studied science like you know it's not just studying physics it's studying you know astro astrophysics and this and in biology and chemistry and all the different sciences and saying okay i'm not going to take it and just take an intro class i'm going to actually dive in deep and see what what's really going on so so much knowledge and wisdom and i know that the who's ever listening is going to get a lot out of this <laughs> i hope so thank you <laughs> so Chris, tell everybody a little bit about yourself um well i am actually i'm gonna say i'm a musician first and yes foremost. yes <laughs> and um i'm also um i spent the last i guess it's now I'm now old enough that it's been 20 years since I started working full-time doing tarot reading. And um, actually, I started out doing out-of-body channeling. Um, I channeled a Syrian entity, which is pretty weird, (laughs) and actually stopped doing that, um, like, very, like, I guess five years later because it was just such a spacey thing to do all the time. And that kind of... um, Influence actually inspired my um, desire to go more into the the self, more into the earth instead of like getting out of the self. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was doing out of body channeling, you can't get any further out than that. <laughs> and, um, and I just found that um, I still had to come back into my body. I still had to know how to process things. I still had to deal with daily triggers. Still had to pay the rent. Still had to deal with with being in a you know uh, a three or fourth dimensional body um, on this planet. So um, yeah, and I found that getting out of my body all the time wasn't helping. It was just making me you know more resistant to actually being present. Yeah, you see that a lot with people. It's you like do. They, they, yeah. they they start on the spiritual path or whatever and then they they're, you know, the airy fairies up in the air and there's they don't know how they're even going to pay the rent next month, yeah, you know. Like, it's true. Yeah, it's like life or even the body like uh, something common as well is just 
you know, getting out, getting out, getting out, but then getting sick at the same time. Mm. And so not being able to, like, manage the the earth realm, you know, the realm of the emotion and the, and the body, which is the feminine realm. Um, instead, you know, getting out of, out of that um, space all the time. But, yeah, I mean, I started doing tarot and I started doing Reiki and healings and, um, and then did that, you know, pretty steadily. And studied the archetypal, yeah. like, Jungian psychology. Yeah, Jungian psychology, um, shadow work. Um, I, I did a lot of work, you know, with the shadow and a lot of work with um, different archetypes. A lot of my personal sessions with people over the years as well. Um, that stuff, I mean, I had a pretty uh, traumatic childhood and a pretty traumatic teenagehood um that that ended up leading me into actually um not being able to go to school or even leave the house anymore and so I was actually doing about this from the age of 15 um onwards for at least a few years um but especially in that first couple of years I was actually doing about six hours of meditation a day (laughs) Wow. <laughs> and I would have white outs and like I would have like I would see, you know, different um, beings, different beings would talk to me sometimes as clear as I'm looking at you I would like hear voices. Um, and um, they were they were light. I mean, it wasn't ever really dark or anything like that, but I spent so much time um, meditating and doing um like really like long meditations and moon baths. I mean, my whole day was like a ritual at night was the moon bath. And then the, you know, the day, like it was really like, just like, almost like you could consider that I lost my mind, in some way. <laughs> but I was like, lost my, I, I lost my mind in spiritual stuff. I was doing Kundalini yoga, like in techniques every day for like opening up the sensory, um, you know, sensory perception in my hands and my eyes and all of this stuff. It was really kind of crazy. But um, a lot of it came from um, traumatic circumstances that led me into sort of an isolated state. I wasn't at school. I wasn't doing anything for a couple of years um, other than just meditating and, like, doing this kind of stuff. That's how I ended up out of body channeling. And, um, And I didn't see anybody. You know, I would spend six hours meditating and six hours on music and making you know short films and and stuff like that so it's like divided evenly but then um I what I started to do is start to work on the trauma and start to work on how to actually overcome the trauma and that's where I really started to get into um psychology and Jungian psychology and I started to recognize that no matter how far away I ran whether it was you know, using meditation as an escapist tool or whether I was using anything else for escapism, I still was going to have to go back and actually deal with loving, accepting, forgiving, owning, and and all of that hard inner work was still going to have to be done. Mm. So I started doing, um, you know, getting uh, holistic counseling and Jungian counseling, and then I started to learn about it more, and then I started to study it, and yeah and that's how that came about so everything that um I do now as far as like teaching shadow classes or teaching classes about um the archetypes and you know the the unconscious it's all 
it's a lot of that, um, well, not a lot of it, all of it, I've, I've practiced intensely on intense traumas myself. So I understand the process from a really intimate perspective yeah. um, and know that it works and know, um, and know that it, to me, is the only way of actually clearing trauma is when you go into it and you go through forgiveness and you go through owning and you go through shadow and you go through grief release and anger release and you go through you know um understanding the, the the treasures in the dark you know joseph campbell's a really big influence on me he wrote about mythology mm-hmm. and um and in fact the hero with a thousand faces is his popular book and it's it informs most artists like it informs a lot of artists and filmmakers as well as informing the entire tarot um mm-hmm. thing too um and uh, so he, he, he also stands in that line of, the, of dealing with the artistic and the, um, the, artistic and the uh, spiritual, of, men, of merging them, I guess, in some way, just by simply teaching about mythology, not, not deliberately or on purpose. But, um, and he talks about uh, wherever you stumble, there your treasure lies. Wherever, wherever there's dark, there's, that's where the treasure is. And, and that's what I believe, too, that the treasure is in the dark. And so by you looking at some of the dynamics of things that have happened with you and diving into your darks or your mm-hmm. shadows, yeah. you found that, that to be the most healing. So when somebody yeah. is, you know, for those that are listening, you know, a lot of people like try to run or hide from those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Like what, what would even be the steps to diving in to explore that? Like, you know, and you went through a process of different steps. It's mm-hmm. like you said these different, you know, yeah. there's these different stages or these different dynamics that you have to face. Is there any particular order or like you know where is there some like takeaway that somebody that's listening could say okay well I can go and I can do this or die this way yeah um the shadow is the unowned aspects so it's really actually hard to see what your shadow is Mm -hmm. um everywhere you look it goes behind you you know and so the shadow is the part of you that you don't own and a lot of the time when you don't own something you end up projecting it on others. And so the shadow becomes the thing that you project on the people that are close to you in your life. So um, there's lots of ways that you can uncover what's there for healing. And the reason that you want to you wanna own the shadow is because your treasure lies in those unowned aspects. And a lot of the times, in order to avoid these aspects of yourself, you know, that the shadow is what you don't own and you kind of avoid it. And in order to avoid it, you overcompensate in other areas and you create a lot of imbalance in your life. So, for example, I mean, there's lots of ways to look at the shadow. This is a really simplistic one. Um, For example, you can, um, you know, whatever you think your best traits are, you know, if I was to think that my best trait is um, being giving, for example, uh, my best trait maybe is that I am... Let's let's do an even easier one. I can say my best trait is being compassionate. Mm-hmm. And I'm very, very, very compassionate. What would we say that the opposite of compassion is? Uh, uncompassion, um, judgment. Judgment. Let's say like judgment, you know, let's go with judgmental. So if I am very, very compassionate, actually judgmental is a hard one for people to take on. Let's say... um. Make, I'm going to make it really easy and say compassionate, nice, and mean. 
Okay. We'll make it really simple. So if I think my best trait is I'm nice, I'm compassionate, I've got these nice traits, it's most likely like what you what you do is you look at it and you think, okay, if that's your best trait, I bet there's extreme ways that you're inhabiting that trait. Um, so what are the extreme ways that you can inhabit niceness? You cannot have boundaries with people. You don't know how to say no. Maybe you let people take advantage of you. Maybe you don't speak your truth. You know, maybe you say, yeah, that's fine and it's not. Mm -hmm. um, you get yourself into messy situations because you, you know, don't have clear boundaries or clear truth that you're speaking. Um, so all of those things that, that can infect your family life, your relationships, your work life. It can, it can affect whether or not you're able to um, really go for your dreams. It can affect whether you're able to ask for what you need from people. Um, it can affect a lot of things like that. So being nice is great. It's a great trait to have. Um, often our best trait is the, one, is the one that we think is furthest away from the worst trait. Mm -hmm. You know? And so the worst trait would be being mean. Say, being mean, being judgmental, right? So maybe if I was too nice, what, and, and I was letting people take advantage of me and I was maybe getting into you know, problematic situations. What would be the cure for that? To be mean and to put up boundaries. Yeah, to be mean, to say, I'm sorry, no, you know. Um, I might, you might think I'm mean. You might think I'm horrible. You might think I'm very nasty. That's okay. I'm speaking the truth. No, you know. So being mean would be the thing that you would need to be okay with within yourself. You would need to be able to handle somebody thinking you're mean and still speak your truth. Because a lot of the times we think, oh my God, they're going to think I'm mean. And then we just, our stomach hurts. We get this flutter in our stomach and then we take compulsive action mm -hmm. to try to prove the opposite. Yeah. Do you know that feeling? Yeah. And, and so in that moment, we're not acting in our authentic selves. We're not acting in any highest good for the other person. <laughs> we're not acting in the highest good for ourselves or in, you know, uh, or in our authentic selves. We're basically trying to defend our ego. Mm -hmm. We're basically hoping that the person approves of us. Yeah. And not and doesn't think we're mean. So that's not that's a very low level ego level like motivating, <laughs> you know, force for action. And it generally leads to us making some kind of like wrong decision. You know, mm -hmm. taking some kind of compulsive action that puts us again in a position to be not in our highest good. Mm -hmm. So, um, the cure would be embracing our meanness. It would be embracing also our judgmental aspect because judgmental is there for a reason. Being able to judge a situation, being able to judge whether something's right or wrong for you is very important. Being able to judge whether this is good energy to be involved in, very important. Being able to discern, have that discernment to be able to say, you know, that's not the frequency I want to align myself with. Mm -hmm. You know, that person, yes, they are part of me, I'm part of them, but that's not the frequency. The frequency that they're at right now, that's not where I want to be. Yeah. So being able to have that ability to make that decision, to, to judge a situation, to judge a circumstance, to decide, is this in my highest benefit right now? You know, to listen to that intuitive force within, yeah. that's a really important thing. Which is... 
is, you know, I think important to stress here is that, you know, a lot of times people have this view that judgment means that they're not accepting or that they're this or they're that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in the way that you're describing it is you're... I mean, we're we're meaning making machines. We're constantly judging yeah, anyway. Yeah. So, like, you know, our perception of whether this situation is good or bad or whether this is acceptable or not or whether they're nice or not is still a form of judgment. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, allowing... Very much so. Allowing somebody to say and stand in that and say, okay, just because... You, you view it as not okay for you doesn't mean that you're viewing it as 100% wrong entirely. It just yeah. means that you're judging that that isn't <laughs> someone that you want to associate with. Yeah. Whether they're a good person or not, whatever the case may be, if you judge them and feel that they're not a good person for you, yeah. then that's fine. Yeah. And, and, and let's be clear about being judgmental here because, yeah. honestly, the most judgmental people are the nice ones mm-hmm. because they're deciding that person's mean, that person's not cool, that person's, you know, not... Um, that person's judgmental, that person's not being inclusive. Nice people are always making judgments about others. Yeah. They're saying, this person's not evolved enough, this person's too dark, this person's too this, this person's too that. Yeah. You know, they've got a criteria for what a good person is and everything outside of that they're judging. Yeah. And so that judge that judgment is happening regardless. Yeah. It's just a matter of do you want to do it unconsciously and project it where you don't even realize you're projecting it on everyone? Or do you want to be conscious and be in your um, grace with it, not in your... Um, gut guttural you know um yeah you're in your in your I guess triggered instincts um but so what you would do is you would have to look and the way to 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 heal this is if you notice that you're judging stuff in someone else that's usually the shadow trait you need to own Mm -hmm. um if you think um and that's really actually the quickest and easiest way to figure it out is what do you hate in others? If you can make a list of what you hate in others and own those traits, you're, you're going to be okay. You're yeah, going to find no, the power. That's a, that's a great practice. You yeah, know? it because really is. It goes back to that, that old historic saying of like when you point a finger at somebody, yes. there's three fingers pointing back at you. So, you know, yeah. That, the three fingers and at least in my interpretation of that is that it's stronger within you there might be one finger pointing that way and that's one ray of energy but it's it's three times stronger within yourself and so if you're looking at that person and or that situation saying oh I can't believe they're parenting their child that way or they're doing this or whatever that is how can you acknowledge that that exists in you right yeah that's what you're saying yeah I mean the thing is you might see somebody enacting a behavior and you might say, oh, that person is so um, obnoxious. And I might look at them and say, oh, that person is so uh, pushy. And, and, and those words might be similar. We might be noticing it. But I said pushy. What I see is a person who's um, domineering. You see a person that's arrogant. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and so I have my filter is telling me what my shadow is. Yeah. You know? Like, even if you see someone's behavior and you're like, well, that, but they're definitely being that. It's obvious. It's very clear that they're enacting that. What you call it, the word you choose is still your filter. And the word, you know, you choose is going to be different than the word I choose. Yeah. 
And and so it's still being run through a filter. Even if you can say that person is being, they're doing this behavior and even from the most objective point of view, it's a bad behavior and it means this, we're still putting a, fi- a filter on it when we when we interpret it. Yeah, because those bad behaviors can be interpreted just like you're many different many different ways <laughs> and many different, you know, adjectives yeah. that would be used to describe exactly. it. Exactly, yeah, based on the ones that trigger us the most. So what you would do is you would have to look at what the medicine of the trait is. You have to look at what the medicine of the shadow trait is. So you would have to look at um, arrogant, obnoxious, that gives you confidence. You know, and so maybe um, the benefit of those traits is that they give you a sense of certainty about yourself, mm-hmm. you know, um, and what could be the medicine of being mean? The medicine of being mean means that you can separate from people enough to take care of your own needs, which means that you're going to be taken care of and ultimately do better in the world. Yes. So um, there's a medicine for every single trait and you just have to look at the medicine mm-hmm. for that trait. To understand, you just have to reflect on the trait. You need to understand that every trait in an extreme is going to be destructive. Every single trait in an extreme, being nice in an extreme is destructive. Being mean in an extreme is destructive. Being arrogant in in an extreme is destructive. And being humble in an extreme is destructive. Every trait in an extreme is destructive. Mm -hmm. So what we're looking for is just understanding the core essence of that trait how how it can be a medicine when it's in balance and also when it is being destructive why is it being destructive if i'm being obnoxious to a destructive degree there's usually a very strong sense of insecurity underneath it mm-hmm. right if i'm being obnoxious uh i might actually be trying to be overcompensating and defending for my self that feels under threat and uh and not strong or secure in that moment absolutely so if i'm being excessively mean it may be because i'm fed up with not taking care of myself yeah right um if i'm being excessively selfish same thing Mm -hmm. i may just uh if i you know being excessively selfish for people that are excessively selfish they may just not be able to be in a state where they're able to take care of themselves, oddly enough, mm. you know, because you only are obsessed. If I, if I, my arms are really in pain, I'm going to be really self-obsessed about that arm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, you know, in some way, um, if there's excessive selfishness going on, it may be just that something is really needing to be healed. Yeah. Um, so the thing is that we, um, judge these traits when we see them in others but what we need to do is we need to look at them in ourselves and say how can that trait be a medicine for me and then also say to ourselves um if that trait is a medicine for me when it's in an extreme why am i doing it yeah so we need to forgive it we need to go through a process of thanking it and then we need to go through a process of forgiving it we need to be able to do both so A lot of these shadow traits that we end up judging are things that we've got pain around from when we were kids. Um, We did something and somebody made fun of us for it or we heard our parents saying don't be mean or don't be selfish or we uh, were outspoken one day and they said, you know, loud children are just awful. You know, something might have happened that 
created some level of pain around the trait that we've denied. So there's usually a lot of pain around owning it. Yeah. Um, you know, if there's a family that's like that really values hard work, saying, you know, having to own I am lazy can be like excruciating, you know, yeah. and, and make you feel like you're losing all the love in the world. Um, the thing is that there is a little part of you that's stuck in that trait that isn't being loved, that isn't being taken care of, that's actually being completely judged and suppressed all the time. Um, so when you're able to actually, you know, if you can put your hands in front of you and imagine yourself at the age that you started suppressing the trait um, and you can start to give love to that self for all of the uh, qualities and help that it gives you, um, if you can say thank you lazy self for allowing me to rest, for allowing me to play, for allowing me to be open to new ideas, for allowing me to let go, to have new discoveries, you can say thank you to all the medicinal aspects of laziness or thank you to all the medicinal aspects of meanness or medicinal aspects of arrogance or whatever it is. You can even say thank you for the medicinal aspects of evil if you just simply make evil mean separateness, you know. Yeah. Um, so you can say thank you for all the medicinal aspects of the trait and then you can also review when you've exhibited that trait in an extreme way and then say I forgive you, it's okay, I understand and give love and forgiveness to yourself when you've expressed it in an extreme way. Mm-hmm. And then if you can imagine that little self in your hands and put that self in your heart, um, it's something that, that the author Debbie Ford says to do, and she's really one of my favorite people, like just to put that self in your hands and in your heart. Um, if you can really put your hands on your heart and feel like that tingling frequency of, of heart energy mm-hmm. of love going into that self, if you can visualize it awesome, just, you know, imagining that little self of yours being filled with love and acceptance. If you can do that for as long as it's, for as long as it takes for that trait to not trigger you, how do you know you've healed it? Because if somebody says you're lazy, you're like, you're fine with that. You're not triggered. You can say, I am lazy and be fine. Yeah. And that's how you basically do the exercise. And that's how you know, you can go in the mirror and say, I am mean. I am obnoxious. I am arrogant. I am, um, lazy I've done I've shadow worked all of these traits so like you know um, my most recent one that I did was fake you know which still hurts a little bit because it's so recent <laughs> having to say I'm fake is still um, you know but the medicinal value of being fake is the ability to protect yourself yeah the chameleon yeah it is it's 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 that's actually self-protection and, um, and it's very valuable and very important. So, um, and also there's that saying, fake it till you make it, you know, <laughs> the ability to fake something means you can take on the energy of it and then draw it into your life as well, which is also a positive force. But so what, you know, so what you're saying is that, you know, for, for is 
that all of the different aspects and the problems that people are, are noticing, not only is it the emotional charge for their self if somebody calls it that, but probably what they're noticing in others. If suddenly the behaviors that they used to call out or it used to bother or irritate them, mm-hmm. it's not bothering them anymore. It means that there's probably they're neutralizing that yeah. irritant because they're balancing out that, exactly. that scale inside of their self. And that neutrality is love. Mm-hmm. They've neutralized it with love you can't neutralize it with your mind yeah you can't neutralize it intellectually you can't neutralize it as a thought you can only neutralize it as love that's the only way to heal the shadow is to love and accept and forgive and embrace and the shadow work is so much the work of the heart that sometimes doing it it just makes your heart ache you know what, if you're in an intensive mode of it, I've had times where my chest is just literally killing me for a couple of weeks while I'm working on something. Because it's like your heart is opening. The heart chakra is really opening. If you can love your enemy, that's what yeah. Jesus said. That's what Buddha said. That's what all of the great you know, saints and prophets say. Yeah. If you can look at the worst people in the world and forgive them and send love and put love there, you know, we won't have to see such monstrous shadow aspects of them coming into politics and, you know, yeah. and other areas anymore because we will all not be, you know, when you suppress something, it becomes a monster. Yeah, and so you see into others what exists within yourself, exactly. right? And so if, and, you know, and then there's the whole theory and philosophy that, you know, whether people subscribe to it or not, but irrelevant as far as that goes. But the dynamic of, you know, the outside world doesn't even exist. It's just a reflection of exactly. what's going on inside. Yeah, you, know, is, yeah. the, you know, that might be far out for people to kind of wrap ahead. But vice but versa, we like, are creating the outside yeah, world too. Exactly. I Our mean, collective unconscious is actually manifesting um you know, this crazy elections. It's manifesting like all of the crazy things that are going on on a universal level right now. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that, those things are, are suppressed shadow traits in society. And that's why you see as those shadow traits come out, people really going to their defense because somehow oh, there's like a transmutation, a public transmutation going on. The only way that we can access um, healing with this Of course, we need to build boundaries and we need to work for what we want in the world, of course. But also on an inner level, we have to make sure that we have loved and transmuted and healed and accepted all of the negative traits we also see. Because coming at it from, coming at a problem, coming at a problem of relationship, coming at any kind of problem situation where you're not charged by the traits, where you're not getting triggered by the traits anymore, you're going to come at it with compassion, a level head, with clear action that can be mm-hmm. enacted without fear, without um, projection. You know, samurais don't kill anyone if they're still angry. They cannot kill someone if they're angry at them. There was a woman that made this movie about the trauma of her past, and she waited 10 years to put the movie out because she said she couldn't put it out until she had forgiven her the abusers, till she had forgiven them, until she had owned and embraced that they were one. Wow. She could not take action and put out a film that would help that abuse to not happen again. Wow. She couldn't 
stop the abuse from happening again until she remembered that everyone was her, that we are all one. And that's the fundamental aspect of the shadow. We are all one. Nothing is separate from us, not a human on the planet. We are all connected. We are all one. And the shadow things we see in each other, they're in us as well. So when we love and embrace them in ourselves, we love and embrace them in the world, and then we can actually take correct action that's based on a higher path, not just some triggered shadow trait. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I hope that makes sense for everybody that's listening. I think that this episode kind of turned into more of shadow work than divine feminine work. Um, (laughs) Well, it is actually the divine feminine. This is the thing. The feminine, this is the thing. The masculine... In, you know, the yin and the yang symbol, the masculine is the white part. (laughs) The feminine is the black part. The feminine is night. The feminine is night energy. It's the moon. It's the receptive. It's the introspective. It's the unconscious. the, The masculine is consciousness. It's the light. It's um, activity. It's the daytime. It's the sun. It's action. The feminine is passivity. It's going within. It's going into the cave. It's going into the night. All of creation starts in the feminine. All of creation starts in the womb. The womb is dark. It's silent. It's non-active. It's receptive. All of life starts in this state. It all starts in the state. You know, um, the new year, it starts in winter. Yeah. This internal energy is, is the energy of the feminine. So the shadow, which exists in the unconscious, this is a feminine, this is a feminine work to do because it's going within. It's bringing love to the things in the dark. It's bringing love to the things within. It's doing emotional work. These are the the basic feminine energies. I'm sure I'm going to miss adjectives because it's, you know, you could talk about that forever. But emotion, feeling, um, physicality, like the earth, materialism, the earth, and physicality. Um, The unconscious, the night, um... The introspective, the internal, all of this stuff is the feminine. Now, um, let's have a look at what has been suppressed in society. Okay. <laughs> okay, so let's go sexuality. Sexuality is a feminine thing. It is, uh, when we are enacting sexuality, we're acting the feminine um, aspect of us. It is the part of us that is sensual. Any kind of sensuality, taste, it's the earth. It's feminine. Mm. It's receptive as well. So sensuality, sexuality is feminine, um, you know, and it's, it's the body and it's the feelings. It's the body feelings. Mm-hmm. And so these have been demonized right yeah and suppressed 
And um, then we notice that the clitoris is missing from um, biology books since the early 1800s. I don't know if you knew this, but it was in there before that. Can you believe that? Because it's a giant organ. And the clitoris is actually huge. You only ever see the tip of it coming out yeah. of the body, but it's huge inside. It wraps around. No, it, it, they only took the first 3D picture of it in like the two, like 2004 or something like that. Really? And, and nobody even knew what it looked like until the mid-90s, until someone said, hang on a minute, the clitoris is huge. It's a huge organ that wraps. It has like almost like arms that wrap up around the vagina and they go all the way to the rectum. Like underneath when it becomes erect, it becomes wow. erect internally. Not it becomes erect externally too, but only a tiny tip of it pokes out. But it's actually a huge organ that's inside the body. And you know another amazing thing about it is that it looks like the hat of Hathor, the goddess, the, ah. the circle with the two arms. It looks exactly the same. And um, and it's the only way that that females orgasm is through the clitoris because actually the G spot is just a clitoris pressing against um, the vaginal wall when it's um, erect. Ah. So it's a really important organ. And, and the shame and the dysfunction that comes around the suppression of that, of the female aspect of sexuality, is um, affects everybody. It affects men the same as it affects women. Men are disconnected. They don't know how to make that connection properly to female sexuality. You know, there was a time a long time ago where they would go to a temple and learn about female sexuality. You know, um, their disconnection from female sexuality harms them as much as it harms women. So um, there's this aspect of the feminine, the sexual. Let's have a look at money, material, another material aspect that has also been demonized by people that have very powerful lack consciousness. You know, you think someone's a multi-billionaire and you think they're polluting the world for more money. Having billions of dollars does not make you exempt from having poverty consciousness. If you think there's not enough, then you have poverty consciousness. The earth says there's more food. I bring you food every day. I bring you water. I bring you all of the things that you need to sustain you. The earth is abundant. The feminine force of the earth is abundant it's abundance and that is what materialism really needs to be about it needs to be that there is more than enough for everybody and so yeah instead of the and if we came from that mindset we would create and share and set a harbor like and hold on i mean like i heard the other day that the average american has over a hundred thousand possessions wow over a hundred thousand possessions, yeah. which you know and, what? And, and and but you know, like, do we need you know, like, the thing is like that... all of the things? But I mean, like, I think if we had like more of an abundant consciousness, right. we don't need to hold on and hoard everything and, yeah. and let it all pile up. More could be dispersed, and we don't need to grab a hold of different things when there's sales or when there's this, and then like just store them in like freaking bins for what you know. Like, I mean, but the I, truth no is that people, we could but... have we could each have two hundred thousand things each. You well, yes, we could have three hundred, and there would still be more than enough for everyone. No, I totally hear that, but we also, you know, I think that we that consciousness. Consciousness of needing to hold on to these things that are irrelevant to us to hold on to creates this, like, war and, like... Yeah, it's true. No, it's really, really true. 
Okay. But, you know, I mean, the the material aspect is is one aspect of it. And the demonization of money. The demonization of money is is really, like, money used to be gold. It came from the earth, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, now now it's not backed by gold at all. (laughs) Right. It's not. But the thing is, it's still a feminine energy. And it's still a feminine energy that's in a massive disharmony because of... um, it because of basically, uh, it's too complicated. But you know, Krishna, I think mm-hmm. I think we could go, definitely go on, a, okay. on this for, next... for 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 you know, and we'll have you on again so that we can dive in a little bit deeper on this. Uh-huh. I think that you know we left everybody with a lot to kind of think about and process as far as like the shadow work and looking at that and really kind of taking a step into the feminine. But I think that this is a, a huge dynamic that we can dive into definitely a lot more deeper on, on another episode. Yeah. Well, can I, can I finish the yeah, last? Yeah, of course, okay. of course. I'm going to finish the last, the, the feminine things. Okay, so the emotions as well. Okay. On a universal level, we can see how that's been suppressed. The environment, the planet, and um, I think, and, and, and the shadow. And the inner subconscious going within instead of going up, we go, I mean, instead of going down, we go up. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so definitely you see that, 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 that Chris is, is a wealth of knowledge, very passionate about, you know, I can't wait to, uh, about everything that all of her work, the influence and the changes and, you know, very passionate, creative soul and individual and, and has so much to share. We'll definitely have her on again um, very shortly. But for right now, Chris, where can they find you? Okay, so um, there, there's two nights that I'm doing here at Liberate Emporium okay, on so. the alternate Mondays. Um, I, th- I think it turns into the, I don't know, you can check on the Liberate website, but I do a woman's night. It's a night for women artists um, to come together and we work on the feminine with each other. We work on healing, you know, the body and um, the creative spirit and, and working with um, a female creative support network. We also have uh, – I also do another night because um, the suppression of the feminine, obviously, it's it's not about women and men at the end of the day. It's about an energy that has been suppressed, and it's been equally suppressed by women as it has been by men. So – Really, it's just a force that's within every single person. So we have a night called Mysteries of the Dark Divine, and that's open to men and women, and that's that's focused on healing um, the feminine aspects as well of the unconscious and doing shadow work and working with archetypes and working with um, all of those inner aspects um, of the feminine, and it's and it's just uh, for everybody, for men and women as well. Awesome. So also can... creative people. Um, I like working with artists a lot, so which you know this is a good city for. And so you can find Carissa definitely through liberateemporium.com on our website, checking out those nights. But you know, as Carissa said in the beginning, she's also an amazing musician and artist herself. And so where can they you know look up some of your your music and different things like um, that as well? You can look up my website is carissabiancamalado.com. And it's, um, I guess, yeah, my name is, like, if you need the spelling. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll put it down. We'll put a little, yeah. little, little link there below. But, um, and I have you know. music. There's music on that site and stuff. And the, and the music is, um, it's all mythic music, but it's kind of, um, it's a, like a shoegazy post-punk music. So <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, and it's, um, 
it's it's all spoken through different goddesses love it and thank thank you so much for joining us and thank thanks you for having me i could talk you know how many hours i could talk for so. <laughs> i know so we'll definitely have you on again so look for another episode coming very shortly with carissa and you know uh please uh if you like this episode at all, leave some feedback and a review. It really helps other people find us. So, you know, you can locate and find us at liberateemporium.com. You can go on our podcast section. You can find us on iTunes at Liberate the Podcast and also on Podbean. So just feel free, please leave a review so you can help other people. It really helps the search results and us to pop up and be seen. Thank you so much for joining us. All right. Have a good one.